You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. Are these your notes? These these your notes about what we're going to say? Anything. It's a short answer. (laughs) So how many novels did you not finish? Oh my God, so many. (laughs) It was perfect. What are you talking about? This is nonsense. Ooh, a spicy question. I love it. This is it, guys. The big secret to getting published is you have to write a good book. (laughs) You had it here first. We're going (laughs) to... Hello and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. I'm Jamie and joining me today is ex-detective of 30 years, consultant and author, Stuart Gibbon. Hi, Stuart. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jamie. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. How are you doing? Very well, thanks. Thanks very much for inviting me. It's, uh, it's great to get a chance to, to have a chat about what I do and uh, let people know how to get hold of me and all that sort of thing. So looking forward to chatting with you. Yeah, well, I'm very excited. I've never had um, a sort of consultant of of, of your uh, genre, I guess, uh, on the show. So let's start off with that straight away. Uh, A detective for 30 years. What was it that drew you into publishing and writing consultancy after that? Well, believe it or not, it was, I'd always liked reading books anyway. And I I used to always read a mixture of true crime and crime fiction generally. And um, I was reading a crime fiction book once quite some time ago now. uh, And I'm sure we all do this, but if there's something you know a little bit about and you see, you're watching it on telly and something isn't quite done the way you think it ought to be done, you kind of, I'm one of these people that tries not to, but it kind of leaps up and says, hang on, that would yeah. never, that would never happen like that. Um, and that, that, that's how it started for me. I was reading a crime fiction book and there was just something in there that kind of didn't really ring true. And obviously my previous work in the police, I kind of dealt with various different bits and pieces. And, um, and I just had a flick through the book and I found the acknowledgement section. I just wondered, you know, did, I wonder if they sought any advice before they put it in. I mean, it wasn't the end of the world. It doesn't, you know, you put what you want in a book and sometimes if you've got too much procedure, it spoils it anyway. So you don't mm. want too much. But this was just something that I thought, you know, well, that's quite interesting. I wonder, and there was nothing in there. And it just, uh, one of those sort of light bulb moments. I'd left the police not that long before. I'd had a bit of a break, uh, recharge batteries. And I just thought, you know, I wonder if there's any kind of, um, opportunity here for me to i had all this stuff in my head from experience and knowledge can i use it to to good effect sort of thing um and i just kind of cold emailed people sent emails all over the place to various writers mainly crime writers um Mm. contacted the crime writers association which i'm so pleased i did because there's a wonderful lady who was uh, the chair at the time uh and after a little while she came back to me um and said you know i'm I'm writing a, a crime fiction book at the minute i could do with some help and that's kind of how it took off. It all went a bit quiet for a while, and I thought, you know, there's obviously no no real need for this. But then suddenly things started to build up, and, and I'm at a position now quite a few years later where, you know, I've got a really fabulous sort of uh, client database, if you like. Yeah. Um, there's best-selling authors, but there's also people who are literally just starting their writing journey, 
who have no idea on procedures and things like that, but they want to write crime or they want something with the police in it. You know, how does this work? What happens if someone goes missing? Who deals with it? What do they do? What do they not do? All those sort of questions that sometimes I guess people maybe struggle a little bit with if they have no experience of it. Um, and that's kind of how it developed. So now I'm, I've got my own sort of, I just work um, solo most of the time. Um, and I have authors contacting me through various means and we just, you know, I've, I find out what they need and what they want. And to be honest with you, Jamie, sometimes they don't want the, the detail to include in the book. They just want to understand it for themselves. Mm. You know, if I explain to them how a murder case is investigated, you know, as, as best I can and as quickly as I can, which isn't easy, but you can do it. Um, once they understand that, they know what they can and can't include in the book if yeah. they want to go down that route. So sometimes it's literally just a case of, you know, you tell me what would happen in reality and I'll write the book. And, of course, as I've already mentioned, it's you don't want a book full of procedure because it would be a really dull book. Um, <laughs> yeah. But what is, what is actually a golden nugget is if you've got something in there like a bit of terminology or reference to a certain rank or a certain unit or department or just something that you know is 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 authentic and, and rings true because you can guarantee that crime fans will pick these things up mm-hmm. and if they if they recognize it as as genuine it will it'll help the, the the you know it'll engage the readers without question yeah 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 so with your with the consultancy and when you work with people is it sort of exclusively uk crime because that's where your sort of ex- expertise is it is, yeah, but most of the time it is. I've had I've had writers contact me from uh, from Australia, from uh-huh. the, U- the USA, from Germany. Obviously, I'm going <laughs> to struggle with their own procedures. <laughs> but actually, um, when you talk about the the generics of investigating a crime, hmm. it's pretty much the same universally. It's not it's not that much different. Obviously, the, the language is different, and the ranks and the departments are, are very much different. Um, yeah. But we've got that in the UK. I mean, I get. I have um, a lot of, to do with writers in Scotland, and Scotland and England and Wales are so different. Um, wow. Scotland have their own system; they have their own processes and procedures. Um, there's a massive piece of legislation called PACE, um, the Police and Criminal Evidence Act, which we use in England and Wales and parts of Ireland, which is basically everything the police do around detaining people and interviewing them and search warrants and things like that. It's all under PACE. PACE doesn't exist in Scotland. So it's a re- even Scotland is a challenge for me when I get a, an author from Scotland saying I want to base this you know this book in Scotland. I've never worked as a police officer in Scotland, so it just shows you even just across a border in the same part of the UK as such, it's it's a challenge. But yeah, I do I do get people from other countries. I've managed to signpost a couple of authors um, to uh, my equivalent in their country, if you like. Um, oh, okay. There's a, there's an ex. Um, coroner and detective in the usa that i've had some contact with via social media and he's happy to answer questions so i I, you know i've built up a little kind of a network in in one or two other countries as well but most of my work of course is is uk based and it's it's uk authors who are set in their book you know either in a fictional place somewhere or in in a real place with just a few of the details changed oh okay sure 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 and it's nice it's nice that you've you said that you enjoy to read and probably watch uh crime dramas on television and such it's nice that you've managed to sort of marry uh the thing you enjoy doing with your sort of experience from work yeah yeah i think so 
Yeah, and as I say, I mean, I, I, I'm looking for things that from a previous work experience that other people might not pick up, and so it doesn't spoil the enjoyment of watching it for me or yeah. listening to it. But I think when I say sometimes to writers, they, they, a lot of their experience will be based on what they've seen on TV or maybe heard mm-hmm. on the radio, and and because it's a t- say for example a TV drama, it's normally an hour or two hours. And normally the bad guy or guys or girls get caught at the end of it. Yeah. Um, and it's very much different from reality. Um, so you need, when you're writing a, a, a fictional story, you need to include, um, you need to have some artistic license because, as I say, it would be quite dull because uh, one of my jobs was being in charge of murder cases for quite a few years in, in the East Midlands. And um, a lot of my time was spent managing things. I was, I was a detective. I was a senior detective. I had all the powers uh, and the rank. But actually, I didn't have much hands-on. If that makes sense, I was—I yeah. uh, I, kind of liken it to the conductor of an orchestra. You're, you're in charge of lots of different people, and you're asking people to do things on your behalf, and you're making really important decisions that could go right or wrong. Um, but actually, you're reliant upon many, many different people to do the work for you. Um, mm. Whereas on telly, you normally see a—you know—you have a lead detective who's the character, and they do yeah, every—they yeah. do everything. They go charging around, you know, arresting people and interviewing people. So it's a little bit different from that point of view um yeah, yeah. but I, I certainly enjoy watching them and of course these days when people say to me how do you how do i find out about the police there are some really cracking fly in the wall type programs on tv that you can actually tune into and you'll you can follow a murder case or you can see a suspect being interviewed in a police station and and that's actually how it happens in reality so for all your finer details it's absolutely brilliant stuff oh. you know there's lots of things on the internet as well that you can tap into um, just to find out how it how it actually works, and then just try and find that balance between having a little bit of authenticity but making it exciting for the reader, you know, yeah. and get, having the suspense and the plot and the characters all linked into that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's fun. I, I love doing what I'm doing now. And as I say, it's I would say in a different sort of way. I'm probably as busy now as I was when I was, you know, trying to solve murders and other crimes. Really, which <laughs> yeah. which is kind of ironic because I retired from that, you know, the police service. In order uh, not to not to be so busy, but as it happens, I'm a I'm a different sort of busy, but just as happy, yeah. just as busy happy. Busy can be good. Busy can be good. Yeah, very <laughs> much so. Yeah, yeah. So still reading, still watching. What are the most common mistakes that you see in books and television? I think, to be honest with you, um, there's two. I would say two, Jamie. Two main ones. Yeah. What one is the way that police officers talk to each other and engage with each other. Um, you tend to find when you read, we read books and you see on TV, this is quite, um, quite kind of formal. People talk to each other using their last names and things like that. And it's sort of orders are barked out like military style fashion. Sometimes it's in reality, it's nothing like that really. Um, there is obviously discipline and there is respect amongst ranks and things like that. But actually, you know, most of the people who, um, talk to me when i was in charge of murder cases um although i was sometimes called sir which isn't a problem because that's you know that's what sometimes people call you i was also called boss and gov you know slang terms um mm. but I, but i was never called dci gibbon excuse me dci gibbon could i have a word with you that that just never happened it's not as yeah. for it's not as formal as that and you tend to find you sometimes see that on television that it's and you know and talking to people i would never dream of referring to somebody whatever rank or whatever role they were performing by their last name you know, excuse me, Smith or Jones or whatever. Can you can you come into my office? That doesn't happen. You know, most of the officers and staff that I work with, we were all on first name terms. 
you know, and you used to call them by the first name. So I'd say that sure. was that's one of the key areas, the way that I think people think it's far more formal than it is, and actually it isn't really in reality. You know, people tend to get on fairly well. And, yes, there is a time and a place for for shouting and <laughs> falling out with people, as in every kind of career and, and every job. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's not as formal as people actually think it is. Um, and the other one is probably around, um, as I touched on a little earlier, what the what the person in charge actually does. They don't. It's not so much hands on. Um, so one of my ones that you sort of makes you cringe is if you see something on a, a TV drama and you see there's a body there, or somebody's been murdered, uh, and all the forensics are there and they've all they're all correctly dressed. You know they've got the white suits on, they've got the the masks on, and they've got the gloves and everything else. Uh, and the the crime scene tape is up and it's all cordoned off. And everything is beautifully presented and secured as it should be in reality. And then you get a detective or somebody else charging in with their, you know, their size nines and they're, they're wearing their suit, <laughs> just a normal suit. And they're bending over the body and they're having a little failure and a touch there and they're lifting things up and they're interfering with the sort of evidence in the scene, which again is kind of a big no no. Um, and, and it's, but, it, but as you say, you, you, you've got to trust, I always say to people, try and find the balance if you can. Mm. You know, don't don't write it really dry because it it will be dry. Just but but just try and mention every now and again about the crime scene tape because it will be there. You know, then maybe I, I always talk about the senses. You know, what can you smell when you're there? What can you see? What can you hear? Um, you know, the crime scene tape fluttering in the wind and things like that. Just little bits like that 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 mention. You know, open it up for the reader. The reader can imagine that scene. But little mentions of things like the tape and the forensic outfits and things like that, you know, yeah. just just add to the add to the authenticity and and make it a much more interesting read. I think. Well, now, now you're really onto the writing craft there because I've heard that many times where it's describing a scene. Just think of the senses. So that's you know you've really lined those those two up really well. Yeah, definitely. And again, blood, blood is one being a bit gory, but of course, blood does occur in these sort of crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the, the the either the taste if someone's been injured and they can taste the blood, you know, that, it's that metallic metallic coppery taste. Yeah. Or even the smell of it, you know, if it's if it's if there's a lot of it, then you know that sort of thing it can also. Um, and you, you do sometimes see people referring to that in the books, and I think although it's very vivid and it's very yeah. r- very raw, it actually adds a little bit to the you know for the benefit of the reader who who isn't there but is is imagining that they are. Yeah, because I mean, that's something that most people won't have experienced is there being so much blood that you could smell it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm feeling a bit woozy thinking. Yeah, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> That's right. So, is there is there a uh, a television series or a book or a movie that you think uh, gets it almost all correct and and kind of nails it? I think, to be honest, I think things have improved even in the last few years to what what they were at one point. And I think the reason for that is that, that a lot of these programs now tend to recognise that they they need somebody there to help them get these things right or at least at least tell them how it should be done and then they can as we said earlier they can work around that so i think a lot of the programs these days tend to have their own advisors um often often they are either serving or, or or former police officers or whatever it is you know if it's something to do with firearms it might be somebody with a bit of military training or firearms training um so this this specific um skills that somebody would need skills and knowledge that somebody would need so a lot of them are are very good these days um there's one that's called line of duty 
Oh, which yeah. is very, very popular. It's probably a little bit over the top in terms of what goes on, but of course it's drama, so it mm -hmm. needs to be in a way. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba. Um, but the actual processes and procedures and the terminology, it made me smile, actually, because I don't know whether you watch it, Jamie, but... I but, have seen, I have yeah, seen uh, some series, yeah. Yeah, the last series that started, the first episode... Um, I mean, I knew what was going on, but my other half had no idea because <laughs> they just launched into a tirade of acronyms, literally right at the beginning. So they were talking about things like CHIS. And I mean, a lot of people don't know what a CHIS is. A CHIS is basically um, what used to be called an informant. It's somebody that gives information to the police um, and is sometimes given money or, or, or another reward. So it's like a grass or a snout, they're, they're slang terms. Yeah. And they kept talking about cheers this and this and this. And I was sat there and I, I kind of kept up with it, but it was hard work. So <laughs> and, I, and I realized that for somebody that was watching it either for the first time or had no idea, and sure enough, the next day on kind of social media, it was just full of what on earth was that about? You know, we should, they should give us a, a list of acronyms so that we know what they're talking about. And, and that, that was just, but line of duty is, is quite good. Um, there, there have been some, there's a, there's one called unforgotten. Um, oh, yeah. and there's one called the Bay. Uh, the Bay is more about family liaison officers, but it's about a murder inquiry. Um, and that's pretty good. Um, and again, when you, when you tend to, and I, again, like I do in books, I tend to look at the acknowledgements page quite a bit in books of authors that I've either never worked with before, just to see whether they do have somebody that gives them advice or not. And not everybody does, of course, they don't need to. Um, but I do the same on the TV. So when the credits come on at the end, I'm often kind of pausing it to see whether they've got a police advisor and maybe mm -hmm. who it, who it is and that sort of thing. And you do find that you get the same names cropping up from, you know, time and again, um, but I think that makes a difference because th those people can give you the um, and and going back even further, I don't know if you remember a program called The Bill. Yes, yeah, yeah. which is a great. I mean, I love The Bill, and and still it still comes on now on some of the TV channels. You yeah. can watch watch it on catch up and that sort of thing. And they they again had um, I've done a bit of work with a, a a chap who interviews the the cast that used to play the certain parts in The Bill. Um, and and you then find out that they used to they actually used to go physically into the police stations to see what it was like for themselves. So they used oh. to they used to go into the cell and have the door locked and you know see what it smelt like and what it looked like and what it felt like. And they used to have police officers that were actually serving officers, you know. And they used some of them even used to go out on patrol with them just to see what it was like. And that's kind of taking it to the next level, I guess. But it's yeah. it's the sort of then you know that what you get is is real and it, it just adds to that little bit of kind of drama and, it, and it, i think it just makes it makes it better all around to be honest with you yeah definitely. But there, there, there are some great programs on there at the moment um you know there's more and more they just seem to be every time you kind of turn tv on it's 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 another another uh fictional one and, and i've noticed quite recently there have been a few that are based on books as well there's a lot of yeah. books the books that are being um you know made into dramas now which is great really you know, mm. just to see how that compares. I know, I know, some of the authors aren't too keen on it because it's it's always their baby and it's their <laughs> book, and they might, you know, they might want certain people to, you know, if you had a choice, who would you want to play the lead character in your book, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, um, that, yeah. that that might not always work out, but it's. <laughs> I mean, it must it must be great for people to actually see it 
on the screen, whether it's, you know, cinema or, or TV, it must be fabulous. Yeah. 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 Well, it's good to know that, that, um, TV's getting more and more accurate and, and, and same with film and, and hopefully books too. So if we dial it back towards you and, uh, the service that you provide, how, um, how does it work? So from agreeing to work with a new client, what's step one of the process? Step one really is probably agreeing how we're going to do it. Um, okay. what, ex- what exactly the, the writer or the author needs from me, um, how, how deep they want to go, how much knowledge they need. So it's kind of like a, a, a chat. I mean, the way, the way I operate, when I started off doing this, it was all on email. So mm-hmm. I'd used to get email from the author and, and it still works that way to a certain extent. Um, and we'd, we'd, you know, swap emails and they would send me either a list of questions or which is, happens more often now, part of their actual work. So okay. say that say there's three or four chapters on police procedure that's really the, the main bulk of the police procedure. They might send me that whole chunk of work. Um, I have been asked to read the whole book before quite a few times. Now, obviously, that takes me a lot longer. Yeah. Um, and sometimes there's bits in there that aren't particularly relevant to what I do. But even so, I, I'm happy to do it. Um, and then I just offer, offer the advice back and give them feedback on either answer the questions or give them feedback. Um, since the pandemic, thing, things have tweaked ever so slightly. So I do quite a lot more work on the phone now. Mm-hmm. So I'm, ha- I'm happy to chat. We can, I can cover a lot more work on the phone than I can do via email because I'm not the greatest of typists and it takes time <laughs> to put these things together. So yeah. email, and now I've launched into the, the world of Zoom and Skype and all those sort of wonderful, <laughs> wonderful, yeah, pla- yeah. wonderful platforms. So there's various different options there. Uh, and we kind of go from there. I, I I put the answer the questions or provide the feedback, and we'll probably have several more sessions going backwards and forwards, maybe uh, until that writer is is happy with what they've got. They might have extra questions. You know, they might go away and write some more, then come back to me again. And often they'll want me to look at what they've written and just say, you know, what do you think of this? Um, have I understood it correctly? Is this right? Is there any more that we can add? Sometimes they need help with actually the the plot. Uh, maybe the characters, if they're police officers, what sort of person would this be? Have I got it right? You know, so we sometimes go a little bit deeper. And as I mentioned earlier, Jamie, sometimes they just want they just want to know how it works in reality, and yeah. and what comes out at the end of the day. You know, there might not be a lot of procedure in there, but as long as they understand how it would work, it yeah. gives them it gives them the opportunity to to write it how they want to write it. And that's that's yeah. that's kind of how it. And it's it's really rewarding for me because. I get to read the books. I, you know, I, I'll, buy, I'll buy the book when I find out it's coming out. And, it, and it's nice to see sometimes I get obviously acknowledged in there as having helped them. And also I can pick the bits out when I read the book where maybe I've given the advice, you know, I, oh, I remember that bit and I remember mm. that. Bit. So and it's, it's just really nice. It's rewarding. It, it helps me to build up contacts and, and, and friends who become, you know, friends over a period of time that I've worked with them for their, I worked with them, for example, on their first book and now they're on the third or fourth. And, and they just keep, you know, they come back to me each time. And there's others who will just want a little bit of advice here and there. And then that's it. They go and they write the book. And then, you know, they may come back in the future. They may not do. But it's 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 great. I, I really love it. And obviously, I, I'd sometimes go pre-pandemic and hopefully we'll be back to that, to writing festivals and things like that and do talks yeah. do talks on true crime. Um, so there's, there's opportunities there as well. And it's just opened up a whole new kind of world for me that I never dreamt I'd be, you know, involved in. Um, Whilst I, yeah. the, whilst I was in the police yeah well it sounds great I, it's, it's, so it's much more of a sort of personalized uh sort of thing where you you work out what's needed and like how much you're going to do as opposed to there's not like a kind of rigid structure to the package that you're offering 
No, not really. You're absolutely right. I think flexibility is the key because every writer is different. Yeah. Every, every writer wants something different. Um, mm. And I just, they, they obviously drive the whole process. They, they tell me what they want from me. Um, and if I can deliver it, I will do. Um, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a challenge sometimes because I'm getting asked questions about things that I might not have personally dealt with within the police. Yeah. Um, but I've got a pretty good range of networks and contacts and various other resources that I can dip in and out of as well. So I think the great thing for me is it's keeping my brain cells working at quite a high speed as well because I'm, <laughs> yeah. al- I'm always thinking about, you know, the questions that I'm asked and making sure that I that I answer them in the right way and making sure that I'm approachable to people. So, you know, even if they've just got the odd question, this is not something, I mean, my, my sort of, my world is called GIB or GIB consultancy. And when people hear the word consultancy, I think they think, wow, you know, like you just said, they are structured and, and it is to a certain extent, but it's so very informal, you know, and if someone wants to email me and ask me a question, I just answer the question. It's not a case of you have to jump through hoops and you've got yeah. all these different things to do. You speak with me if you do speak or you communicate with me. Um, and if I can help people, I just that's just what I want to do, really, to be honest. Yeah. And beyond uh, the direct consultancy work, you also have a range of books that you uh, you co-authored them with um, Stephen Wade. That's right. Yeah, I did. Um, that came about. I was um, in 2015. I was chairing a, a group of a panel of crime writers, which was mm. interesting at a, at a literary fe- <laughs> literary festival. And um, one of them was called Stephen Wade, um, born in Yorkshire, brilliant man, uh, writes true crime, has done for years, um, and and way back in the 1800s, 1900s, he covers all those many many different periods in time. Uh, we got chatting. We had a coffee. We got on really well. Um, and I think a conversation one day just said, would you fancy writing a book? And I kind of laughed because I thought, well, I've never written a book. I wouldn't know where to start. But long story short, um, we said, well, you know, we don't think there's anything on the bookshelf that would give crime writers in particular, but not just crime writers, true crime fans, what they actually need, which is information about murder cases, forensics, um, the police station detention process, all those sort of things. And and we managed to, um, Stephen had a publisher out of, already called roger who's brilliant and he's a one-man band and we approached roger and we put it to him and he said yeah let's have a go let's go for it and we wrote the crime writers case book which came out end of 2017 covers everything from forensic pathology dna forensics um murder as i say all sorts of things and it was really popular and in fact it's still now our most popular book um so we've went on from there to write another well quite a few books one about the specific role of the detective and then we wrote a few little guides on various specific subjects like um, criminal offences such as burglary and robbery. And they're all really for the crime, the writer or somebody that wants to know a bit more about how things work in reality or just the true crime genre, which, again, the fan base is, of course, huge. Um, and we've got another book coming out at the end of this month, which is called Catching a Killer, which is literally from the first phone call to the court process what actually happens in reality, both from a contemporary and obviously a historical uh, perspective. And that comes out at the end of the month. So everything about murder, which is probably what I get asked about the most. Mm. Um, and it's probably the the one area of crime that people tend to be most interested in. So again, we're hoping yeah. that when that, when that comes out, that people will be interested in it. But yeah, we've written, literally, we've written six books in a reasonably short period of time. People like them. They seem to like them. We get good feedback. 
And it's something you can have on your bookshelf that you can just dip in and out of if you want to. If you're looking yeah. for the answers to certain questions or even just for a bit of inspiration, you know, there's case, there's loads of case studies in these books from true crimes either that I've dealt with myself or that people will probably be familiar with. And it's just giving people the opportunity to, you know, to, to give them some inspiration if they're, if they're struggling a little bit or to just find the, the facts if they're looking for them. Yeah. Awesome. So anyone listening, if you, if you're not ready for a full sort of direct consultancy, you always have these books are always a quick, easier option, a bit more approachable perhaps for some people. Um, so Stuart, have you ever had the inclination to write yourself? I have. Something yeah. Fictional? Yeah, I have. And not, lots of people have asked, asked me that question, to be honest. And, um, I kind of, the answer I give is I'll never say that I won't. Um, <laughs> But but I've 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 not gone down that route yet, and yeah, there are a lot as you I'm sure you're aware, Jeremy. There are a lot of ex police officers that are doing just that at the moment, and to, yeah, with sure. with with great success as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just I've never gone that way yet. I've stuck with the true crime side of things and and the consultancy work. Um, I'll never say that I won't do it, but it's not on my it's not on my bucket list at the minute. Shall we say that? Um, <laughs> never say never. Never say never. No, definitely, <laughs> definitely, yeah. Amazing. So that brings us on to the final question, which is, Stuart, if you were stranded on a desert island with one book, which book would it be? Okay. Um, well, as you can imagine, in a pretty lengthy and um, police career that I that I had, I've seen lots of things, some of which I can never unsee. Yeah. Um, but I think even I would be pretty freaked out on a desert island. Um, in fact, I know I would be. So the way I've approached this one is to go slightly kind of random and okay. think, think that I'm going to be a bit concerned about being on this desert island. Um, so why don't I go up the ante a bit and frighten myself even more so that anything else that happens from then on, <laughs> is, I'm going to be able to manage. So one, one of my favorite authors um, has always been and will always be James Herbert. Um, it's somebody I just immersed myself in from a relatively young age. And James Herbert, as I'm sure you probably will know, wrote a trilogy of stories about rats, which is one of my kind of, I don't, I don't particularly like rats. But okay. I, apologies to those who do, but that's just not one of my faves. So his first book was called, funny enough, The Rats, terrifying book, which I've lost count of the amount of times that I've read. So I'm, if I'm allowed a trilogy, I'll take all three with me. But if, um, if it's strict rules and regulations, I'm going to have a copy of The Rats. I'm going to read it as soon as I get there. And hopefully anything else that happens from then on in, I'm going to be able to manage. <laughs> amazing You're just going to get all the scare out at once <laughs> that's it hopefully either a kill or cure will be the, the approach i think yeah brilliant well that's a very original answer i've never had anyone approach it that way before <laughs> amazing um well thank you so much Stuart. thanks for coming on the show and sharing your experiences and telling us all about what you're up to sort of in the consultancy publishing world that's great thanks jamie for inviting me i've really enjoyed it and um i hope your listeners do too Yes. And for everyone listening, if you want to keep up with what Stuart's doing, you can follow him on Facebook and Twitter at GIB Consultancy or head over to the website www.gibconsultancy.co.uk. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow us on Twitter at Right and Wrong UK or on Instagram at Right and Wrong Podcast. Thanks again to Stuart for coming on and thanks to everyone listening. We'll catch you in the next episode.